Good. Hello. 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 Yeah. 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 Ha ha ha. Okay. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Re- real laughter. <laughs> Do real fake laughter. <laughs> What's up, Sala? What's up, Craig? Hey. Let's wake up, Sean. I was bread lately, Sean. You've been you've been baking. I oh, I bake constantly. There's some stromboli here that we're we're gonna eat. You're gonna yeah. Watch us eat stromboli. Yeah. Good. <laughs> episode. Uh, this one's gonna be nine. Episode nine of nine with a lot of chewing on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the 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 base camp classic. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. yeah. And, and my jewel sounds. <laughs> well, the jewel is silent. Well, sort of. I, but I can hear it. You know, I can. Yeah. I can feel it. <laughs> the the silence. The, 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 like, the jewel. The, the <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a band name. <laughs> Uh, no, you, you, you can feel the silence when someone's taking a, taking a pull on the jewel. It's true. That's what the Depeche Mode song is about. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> we all just enjoy Chris taking a big old puff of the Bape jewel. You don't have a Supreme jewel? What's up? I was going to get a Supreme jewel, but then I decided that a Bape jewel would be stupider, so I went with the Bape jewel. <laughs> well, you were right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did bring back from some cigars from the DR. So oh, next dear. next episode, we will all be sitting around here uh, puffing on some <laughs> puffing, you know, honking on some big old cigars. Well, awesome! Oh, because Tony's coming next week. That's right. right. Yes. Shit, okay. Yeah, we're definitely uh, we're definitely bringing in cigars to hell. Yeah. One of my favorite facts is that Antonio Banderas. His name translates to Tony Flags. <laughs> Tony so, Tony Tony that. Flags versus Tony um, Umbrellas. Who's Tony umbrellas. Exactly. who's, right. who's yeah. hotter? Yeah. Who's hotter? Tony Flags. That's a tough question. <laughs> Let's put put it out to Twitter. Start a poll off Twitter, man. Wait, yeah. Have you stopped tweeting, Chris? <laughs> I tweeted today, oh, yeah. but oh, that was after two weeks of not checking Twitter. I'm. I think I'm off. I think I'm yeah. done. Well, I'd like yeah. to. I'd like to say yes, but yeah. it's really stupid. So is life, man. What the? What the <laughs> hell? Yeah, I was like reading for two weeks, though. That was cool. I haven't yeah. done that in a while. I like. Um, uh, I read a book on Haiti. That's cool. Um, While in the DR. Yeah. Okay. Not you know. No one knew. No. <laughs> <laughs> no one was looking at my book and be like, "Hey, what the fuck are you reading, buddy?" Um, speaking of speaking of Twitter and how awesome it is, uh, your your buddy Mesh, Twitter Twitter All Star, had a great oh, yeah. had a great tweet the other day about uh, yeah. like uh, uh, lost my jewel, so now I'm reprogrammed to smoke a quarter of a cigarette every like 15 minutes or something. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. It, it, it was it was it was real. It was real. I I yeah. don't jewel, but you know, it's been a long time since I smoked for real. But it, it, was, yeah. it was that was some 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 primo Twitter content. This is what you miss out on. Damn, I'm really missing out. You are. I'm not. I I, You're not I have not out. joined the conversation. <laughs> it's true. You haven't joined the conversation. You have so many brands to interact with. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. You could know. follow Bape. I don't get, know if they have a Twitter presence. And get twenty percent off your next Bape jewel wrap. Oh, that yeah. Would be, be <laughs> no, I think 
someone posted that on picture. I think it was like Deflector Cameron. He posted that like if you refer a friend, you get like oh, so try to oh to jewel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you get like uh, twenty dollar, twenty five bucks free. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a system, man. That's tales old more time. First one's yeah. free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess this is nine. So welcome to episode nine of Basecamp Beta. I'm Chris. This is Sean. This is the other Chris. And our guest today in the hot seat is Selwa, also known as Bergsonist. Uh, Selwa, do you want to maybe introduce yourself a little bit? Um, uh, yeah, hi. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, um, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm Selwa. I make music as Bergsonist. And uh, so I make music and I... Um, I create like this blog that I started ten, uh, eight years ago, Bizarre Bazaar. And at the same time, I have several different projects that I'm trying to develop while learning new skills, such as 3D design. 3D design? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been loving all your design work, so uh, it's been it's sick. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do you want to talk a little bit about Bizarre Bazaar first? Do you want to start there? Yeah, sure. So you started the blog like eight years ago now? Yeah. Um, and actually, that, was, that was when you were still in Morocco, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started when I was in Morocco. And for me, my only escape was internet because I couldn't really, really relate to the people, like musically. Mm. There, there, there was no scene. It was really hard to connect. And SoundCloud was like so amazing because I discovered so many. I discovered lies actually through SoundCloud and Bookworms, like his record, African Rhythms. It was just like, Anthem. yeah, yeah, it blew my mind. And then, yeah, and then, yeah, I, I discovered lies and other people. And then I came to the US and slowly I got into uh, the music, uh, like what, what was happening. It took me a while because I was like in like I was studying at the new school and I hated all the people there. So I have no I had no <laughs> friends and I didn't know where to go. I was so lost. But then slowly, I think the universe just connect allowed me to meet the right people. And I met actually Katie at Suwan. We didn't know each other. I loved her boots. And then she was I was like, oh, wow, I love your boots. And then she was, oh, there's this party. You should come with Hieroglyphic Bing and Alex from Queens. And it was like the party before I went back to Morocco. So it's just like, it's, yeah. And the blog was still there. So it's just like, it was a diary where I was just um, putting new music that I discovered and slowly trying to find kind of like a direction. And now it's it's very important because that's how I feel like uh, I discovered so many great people just through that platform and it's still like allowing me to explore, uh, learn also music through listening to so many music all the time and yeah. That's Were you I'm making thinking. music when you lived out in uh, Morocco? Uh, yeah, I was usually, I started using GarageBand. I didn't really know music, like how to use things and also the iPad and there was like one summer 
The iPad is still hands down the greatest instrument <laughs> of the 21st century. Yeah. It, it was so fun because like, you know, no one knew what I was doing. My brother does like tech house, uh, tech, tech something. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I was like just hiding my things. And then one, t- one, one summer, actually Florian Kupfer came to Morocco and we became friends and he listened to my music and he was, oh, this, this is really good. And he was playing it. And then I was like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm going to just put, put it on a SoundCloud. And I was reading this Bergson, uh, Le Bergsonisme. It was like a book by Gilles Deleuze. And I was like, okay, I'm going to call myself a Bergsonist. And then that was just a platform. <laughs> and, and no one knew who I was until Richard Gamble. Discovered- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he asked me to play that party with Katie. Um, NSSPS at Transpicus and then I was oh time to get a new machine out in the world (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome that's the the classic like musician's first gig move is to be like oh shit money Uh, I'm gonna go spend it all on some (laughs) new piece of gear yeah (laughs) Um, but but that that also speaks to what I feel is now like a a kind of um, sadly almost maybe not bygone, but kind of dormant era or dormant kind of mode in at least New York and I feel like elsewhere where like you could just be hanging out with people and kind of working on some music and someone's like, you're playing a show. You have to get out there. Here's this platform. Go do it. Mm. And I feel like that's that's kind of missing right now. Like, yeah. like just very open, open platforms for people to kind of just go and honestly experiment and kind of try something new. Um, because that, that, that was very much how, like, I, 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 I wound up making music and, you know, getting out there performing live. Rochelle, as well, I think was gesturing in, uh, in solidarity. Um, just having friends who are part of a scene be like, you got to, you have to perform. Go do yeah. it. He, you, I already booked you a gig. <laughs> do it. And you're like, ah, what do I, I really, are you sure? Yes. And then... It's gonna suck, and it's gonna be awesome at the same time, and that's and then you know you're hooked, and the rest of your life is miserable. It's great. Yeah, that, that, that still happens here in San Francisco. Um, I think there's still a lot of like even even though the scene has changed so much and kind of become more commercial, there's still a lot of smaller events. Uh, my friend Blake does a Monday night party every other week where he hosts live electronic musicians often for the very first time that's and great like there, mm-hmm. there's still definitely a community of people here that is really pushing for their peers to get out there and to play live because i've definitely done the same where i've been like hey your music is awesome you're gonna play one of my events i don't care if you're not ready for it yeah <laughs> <laughs> just get out there and do it and it and it really works well almost always like it really yeah. gives people confidence in it and it exposes their sound to a new audience so it works the yeah i guess I, I guess the oakland scene has a lot more of that kind of diy spirit that is definitely like i said at least dormant in new york right now definitely not, and it still happens in San Francisco. For eternity. It's, it's not quite like it used to be but it still happens yeah things in new york are are very professionalized at the mm. moment yeah absolutely you know um. Or like there's like a lot of people have been doing things at Hollow, but yeah. then there's also the uh, the money aspect. It's like when people ask you to play for almost for free and yeah. no one is yeah. there, 
you're like, oh, should I do it? Uh, and, but at first you do it. Like I remember um, Holo asked me to do a residency, a Bizarre Bazaar residency. It was on a Sunday night. It was like so weird, so hard like to bring people, you know, it was like, yeah. But it yeah. was cool, cool to just like tr try, and um, and at the end, actually, a lot of people came, and they were really great performers. I mean, it's really hard to take risks. I think in New York. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. But it's kind of, I mean, even not playing live, even like most great DJs. I mean, uh, you know, friend of the show Mike Servito. Um, you know, he didn't have his own turntables until like a year ago or something. I mean, he had all of his DJing experiences were just in public, yeah. you know, at bars, at whatever. And yeah. so it, you know, was never this, you know. He had, nev he had never owned turntables? Never owned That's turntables. Like, wow. <clears throat> how is that possible? He said that, what? He's yeah. such a good DJ. Like, how do you get that good just playing at bars? I think that that's how you do it, yeah, though. Yeah. I think you right. just, like, <clears throat> you do it in public for, I mean, in his case, for, you know, a long-ass time. But, you right. know. Right. Um, I guess he, he, he must have had, like, residencies when he was younger, yeah, sure, but it was a lot, you know, it's also very different. I mean, you know, uh, like, you know, even New York in like the 2000s, you know, that's a very different time. You could just kind of be a resident DJ at, you know, some yeah. bar, you know. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, in, a, in a way that you kind of can't now, you know. I, I miss the, I, I really miss the era of like, up. Oh, it's Tuesday night, my buddy's DJing at Daddy's. Right, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go. Let's go hang. Yeah. Because <clears throat> um, really the most fun nights to party are Monday and Tuesday. It's true. Mm. Industry night. Yeah, I feel the same. Like, I, I never had, like, all my DJ for NTS or, like, any submissions are always made with, like, this, like, software called DJ. So I never it's had just called CD. DJ. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but like I always like just like D like learn CDJ when I'm booked. Mm -hmm. And but now I really want to get CDJ because like I just feel it's such a sick instrument. And yeah, you can really do incredible things that like now I really want to like explore. Yeah. But the Lot Radio actually was a good place to learn CDJ. Right. Because you can just like book two hours, do radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, the lot has yeah. been one of the better, uh, kind of better developments in the last couple of years here, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a really cool new online radio thing here in the Bay Area called, called um, Fault Radio, uh, which just celebrated its first year anniversary just a, just a few weeks ago. And I actually played this weekend in Oakland. Um, and they, they've done an incredible job. It's like really well produced. It's like super well done. Um, and they've, um, my friend door who runs it, um, he told me they've already hosted something like 250 DJs from like all over oh, the Bay area. That's pretty impressive. Oh. So uh, I actually want to ask you one more thing about bizarre, bizarre. You started it eight years ago. <clears throat> Honestly, I, uh... Or like, uh, maybe like I don't know if it's eight or nine or I don't know, okay. but like more than seven for sure. So close to a decade, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean that was that was kind of when you started that the site. I think that was kind of the tail end of the blog epoch. The blog, yeah, right. Like the blog era where there were where people, individuals like yourself, would just launch a website and sort of 
build a little community unto themselves. And in some cases, they really nurtured this incredible music community. And I mean, that's what you've been doing. You've really built Bizarre Bizarre into its own little world. And I think it's kind of what I love about the fact that you're still doing it is even though it's not even 10 years old, it still feels like a relic from a different era to me when like, when that was, when that was how people discovered music and shared music and talked about music was on these little kind of online micro communities that even though they were tiny or even though they were, they were launched by one person, you could still really develop a community and an identity through these kind of websites. Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I think now all these communities have been folded into Facebook and Twitter because that's just how people use the internet these days is through the social media lens. It's like people Mm -hmm. don't go to, I don't go to websites. I don't really go to websites anymore. I don't like visit a website Mm -hmm. really with very few exceptions. Yeah, actually. Yeah. When I started it, I didn't know how to like lay out the blog like if I should review, but at the same time, who am I to write about music? Like, like it was so funny because I remember what, like when I started, like every time I have to review a music that I found, I was just like doing like elogy and just like, it's like poetry, just using like words <laughs> to describe, mm-hmm. to beautify the track or something. So I didn't find that very like... Uh, useful functional so then i started to just like share music with no insight and share interviews because i think the 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 content goes more straightforward to the listener or, or reader rather than have mm-hmm. my input and uh and i'm not trained i haven't studied music so it's just like purely uh, um uh personal interpretation of music that I don't think is necessary. Music was a refuge because like for me it was like it, it didn't need any words. It was just like, oh wow. Like that's what I was looking for, the wow. And I remember at the time there was a lot of wow and now there is no wow. <laughs> it's so hard to find the wow. <clears throat> do you think do you think that's because of like a a shift in the quality or is it also a shift in your own mentality or a shift in the way you relate to the music? I think it's a shift in like artists taking risks because like now so many people like start making music but it's always the same kind of aesthetic. Like people don't really, you know, it's like always the same techno, like hard techno, Bergheim-y. I, I I'm not against Bergheim but it's just like sometimes it doesn't touch me. You know, it lacks the soul effect that like I discovered the first time when I I was listening to well like as, as Chris I th- hinted at uh, uh, a little bit earlier uh, just everything is very professional now right yeah yeah and I think with that comes a sort of yeah collapsing of possibilities it's like oh well you know if you're music if you want to be a professional DJ or if you want to be a prof- you know setting aside whatever the hell that means being a professional musician or whatever um then it's like well you have to like hit these certain yeah sonic things you, you got to work within certain boxes yeah you, know, yeah. you got to market yourself a certain way yeah so it really does the whole i mean i hate using the word scene mm. it, it does the whole environment of it does a big disservice to the whole environment of making music because mm. you know i think <clears throat> like what you were saying 
some years back, um, things did feel a lot more open. Yeah. You know, you and your friends were making really weird music. Things were kind of like all over the place. Didn't necessarily need to be needed to be slotted in anything, and not just mm. not just making weird music, but making weird music, and people were listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and people were booking you for because yeah. you made weird music, as yeah. opposed to the exact opposite, which is yeah, where we're right now everything's kind of just like boiled down to like, oh, well, that's a little too weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah, it's just like I don't know how many times do we need to go to Bossa Nova and hear someone bang out Berghain techno yeah. from, uh, you know, happy hour to the end of the <laughs> night. It's like, you know, it yeah. just never ends, you know. The, yeah. the, the, the bossa happy hour uh, DJ practicing for their Berghain headlining slot is a, <laughs> is a depressing and, and, and very pervasive phenomenon now. Well, yeah. yeah, that's actually what I noticed. It's like people now, it's like there is like, well, I'm part of them. Like there is a new wave of like DJ that just like DJ... You know, they don't adapt to the context. And I think it's really important. You Absolutely, know? yeah. It's like yeah. you're in a bar, people, you know, they just came from work. They're there drinking some margarita or whatever. And they want they don't want to hear that. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I mean, so that's like half the point of being a DJ. Yeah. It's like you're playing for <laughs> exactly. people, you know? Yeah. And, and and then everyone moves to Berlin. It's always like the same kind of like, like, I, like vision. And also, if, you know, like people say, oh, techno is the fu- like techno is the future and the future is not is not that the future is like taking risks but yeah that's like what I what I liked when I first discovered lies because it was just you know it was just like a sound like people were doing their thing like you can feel they're having fun and it's like coming from you know like their own they're not trying to fit like a box or anything. Yeah. And now, of course, yeah, everyone is using native instrument and Ableton or whatever. And you you see like similarities in sounds. Like for example, I just got like a free native instrument pack. Like it was insane. Like mm-hmm. I've never used it. And then I was just like browsing and going through things, and I just like I I um I found so many similar sounds. You know, that, right. that people use, like, very, like... Of course. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. kind of, like, demystified my uh, vision. Yeah, well, I think another, I mean, kind of moving it to something you also, I think, wanted to talk about is I, I think a lot of this sort of professionalization also really uh, takes place on something like Boiler Room, mm-hmm. where people go on to this thing, and they're not playing for music heads, they're playing for, like, this comment section and literally all the comments are like did you do good or bad you know (laughs) did you like did you do what i wanted you to do did you like do you sound like ben clock or no do you sound Mm -hmm. like a human and that's not what i want to hear right now ben clock gets a lot of flack on this show i mean i don't (laughs) yeah i I mean, no, no hate to Ben Clock. You know, he does. I mean, his I don't, thing. I don't, yeah. I don't think Ben Clock's a very good DJ. I just can go out v- and say very, it. very handsome man. Every he's a time, guy, but every time I've seen him at Berghain, he's been quite good. I think it's kind of like with Deadman. Yeah, I was going to say. I think, you know? I think this is something we've we've talked about a bit on the show. But yeah, like Berghain residents play amazing in in Berghain and. Yeah, so, very Everywhere often that doesn't translate of. anywhere mm. else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's actually what <clears throat> Greg read. He read like recently the Mesh, uh, the art of DJing on Resident Advisor or something, mm-hmm. and he was talking about like how he he's actually doing the the reverse approach. Like he's bringing like music that 
usually is played in Jersey clubs. Mm -hmm. And he put that in Bergheim as kind of like, you know, like a statement. And I think it's great. You know, before like... Uh -oh. oh, it's Whoa. a stupid phone thing. Wow. <laughs> tornado warning, Whoa. Jesus. Tornado warning. Brooklyn tornado, man. <coughs> You remember what the, was that? Uh, that? That was my phone telling us we're going to die. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Sean, that's horrible. <laughs> I don't know why my phone didn't do it. It usually does it to all of them. Well, is, your your warnings are coming. Like, like that time, or, may, uh, or maybe maybe it's just my time has come. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just exterminate only me. <laughs> hey, you start talking shit about boiler room, man. The elements will respond. <laughs> um. But no, but no, like 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 the, the the acceptable sound has to be very exportable. I think yeah. is the thing because platforms like Boiler Room have made it very homogenized. Um, mm. Before, like club club sounds could be much more regional, and I think that's been broken down a lot. Mm. Yeah, for sure. But I, I yeah, do you want to talk? Um, this is this is this is Greg Z on the podcast, by the way. Hi guys, um, hasn't it sort of always been like that? I feel like most of the time that I've seen a famous DJ from an earlier era, they're playing something that's a much more cleaned up version. Hasn't it always been an issue to have to fight against uh, getting more boring as you get older or as the scene gets older or whatever? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think, I think you're not wrong. I think like that's always, yeah, that's always been the case for any, any musician, any, any artist really is, you know, um, yeah, but just... Yeah. kind of losing touch and getting dull and getting more commercial like as they get bigger yeah like but I um, think that's the difference between like DJ who who are gonna last like for example tracks who just like stay true to his vision and DJ who are just like trying to be part of the movement back to Greg's point though I think the big difference now as opposed to in previous eras <clears throat> is that this phenomenon is happening on on even like the very underground like relatively mm -hmm. very underground levels whereas before that wasn't like like relatively established artists would be getting more commercial. Mm. Now it's like, you know, everyone. Li yeah, literally everyone. Like who 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 has even like the the vaguest inkling of like being successful with the within music uh is jumping to sell out basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, yeah, and I think I I I think the real issue here is that in music, especially in quote unquote underground electronic yeah. music, the pie has just gotten so much smaller. One thing that I think you Selwa have have done very well um, in terms of creating some sort of online community that feels a lot more actually communal is with uh, Pick Up the Flow, um, which genuinely seems like a group of people uh, trying to help each other out. I mean, yeah, thanks. Exactly. Like I remember when I started, I was just struggling to just get things, and all the time it was like really suspicious people and I'm very always suspicious. I never really wanted to do that. So I was like, yeah, and I hesitated a long time. And I remember one time I had coffee with Lori Anten and she was, you should just do a group, like do the Facebook group. And then it kind of made me want to do it. Imagine you have like this kind of resource where you can just like post anything and maybe find a solution. So it, so it shouldn't be just gear. It should be anything. And, right. And I feel that's like, it's kind of like, your podcast too, it's like, I, I think community is not like parties or anything. It's like meeting 
and like developing some sort of relationship and it's the real world yeah know? exactly and actually uh, talking to real people yeah. in real time <laughs> yeah. having real conversations yeah <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit That's out there but well and also and also being like you know uh hey i'm in a bind you know and having other yeah. people be like oh shit i got you, you yeah, yeah yeah and also three years ago i graduated i graduated from college and i've realized that college was like just a farce Right. Like this whole time, I haven't learned anything. Like basically, yeah, maybe I developed my brain a little bit. I think like I wish they learned me like valuable skills that can get me jobs. Because like if I had like a like like this like like valuable skills, I think I would have been more free in music and be more bold and saying no and like being more free. Like I, I wish I had. But what, that what are what are valuable skills now? Like I just don't know what's valuable. Coding is a valuable skill. Chip. I mean, you're right. It's like UX design, you know. Coding is the like only coding, skill. but yeah, and like no, like coding, and uh, I was thinking. You, you guys know, ever heard of blockchain? <laughs> blockchain. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe like blockchain is gonna die. I, uh, what? No. <laughs> because like everyone, like it's really hard to get into it. I don't know. Like one time I remember with Greg, actually he's wearing the t-shirt. <laughs> Internet Accra. <laughs> Universal access to all knowledge. So we went to SF uh, to the Internet Archive and the founder of the Internet Archive was there and he was telling, please bring more artists. Like we need more artists to like infiltrate the like the tech you know, industry and like be um, direct, like all, like all double uh, agents. Yeah, exactly. Because the people who are like now directing, it's like tech people who really don't care about art or culture. It's just like money and are like trying to get fame. Like there is a lot of like tech people throwing like parties in Brooklyn, you know, like trying to be cool or whatever. And you know, whatever, you know, sorry, tech bros, you can't buy cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Unless you boil the room. I mean, in San Francisco, that's a fact. Like, <laughs> basically, the only skill, the only jobs left in San Francisco are software engineering jobs or marketing jobs to support engineers. What about service industry jobs yeah, for you serving c- your tech, lo- tech yeah, row exactly. overlords? Mm-hmm. No, those are all being automated out. Automation's a myth. Come on, actually are. Nah, dude. Uh, <laughs> you're you're telling me that surfdom's gonna lie, right? gonna, gonna die? Nah, surf surfdom's here to stay, buddy. Surfdom is eternal. <laughs> <laughs> Service to self. But also, I was thinking, you know, there is no alternative to master uh, school. You know, it's always like, oh when you finish school, either like you go work and you spend your whole life doing something you don't like and then it's too late to learn new stuff. I mean, maybe not too late. Or... You go to grad school and go in debt. Yeah. yeah. You, you stay in academia and suffer. In deep debt. De- yeah, like, just like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dig yourself into eternal debt. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's a great system we have here. But then, like, all of the musicians and people here... Like, you know, like, for example, like, you make music, but, like, you have this amazing skill that maybe other people could benefit. So, yeah, yeah. So, it's just a way of shifting gatherings. Like, instead of just, like, mm-hmm. meeting and parties, hey, what's up, blah, 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 blah. What, what if we, we met in, like, other spaces where discussion could actually happen on a more 
deep level, but at the same time, resources could be shared. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that's just something that I, I think is totally not present right now. Uh, just, I mean, in all of, I don't know, in all of our society, but especially in like our musical, like that should be where we do this. You know? Yeah, I was, yeah. I was just thinking how, like, how, how just how broadly those kind of social uh, spaces have been eroded over the last. Uh, whatever even 10 years i mean we thankfully still have the library but that shit oh yeah i mean you got to think that's gonna go soon i recently watched the wax tracks documentary which is fucking phenomenal and i highly recommend it to anyone who has the chance to see it it catalogs the rise and fall of wax tracks as not just a record label but a record store that started in uh i think it started in denver and then moved to chicago not long afterward and the store in Chicago was like, it was the spot. It was where people went. It was just always filled with people. Like, And it made me realize how vital the record store was as an actual physical community hub. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, and I, how we we have nothing like that anymore. I've been in the midst of a, of a, of a low, medium to low-grade midlife crisis. It's really starting to kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, as this midlife crisis kind of started kicking in, I, I was getting deeply, deeply nostalgic for, for spaces like for, for, for spaces like the record store that used to serve as a, you know, used, used to serve these very important social functions, but also places just like the video rental store. Mm-hmm. Oh, the dude. video rental yeah. store was so sick. Mm-hmm. If Kim's, you had like a, Kim's was amazing. Kim's was the best. It was amazing. And that's just like, that's just a whole thing that used to like, not just be like a way to access interesting, like media, interesting culture. But but it was like like a like a very vital social hub itself. This is just mm-hmm. gone, gone forever, gone forever. Well, why oh, have twenty first century is cruel. Well, why have a have why have someone uh, who you know has watched way more movies than you ever could hope to? Why why would you have them recommend you uh, <laughs> a movie? You could have a computer do it for you. The algorithm wins. Yeah, and they'll the algorithm, know. bro. Have you ever seen? I I picked a classic, Wax Tracks jam by Cyberactive, which is actually a one-off project between Dwayne and Kevin from Skinny Puppy and Bill Lieb from Frontline Assembly. track is called nothing stays and it is just a fucking grade a certified angus beef banger (laughs) it's just and what i love about that track is that um bill lieb actually started with skinny puppy when they first when they were first a band and he left after they recorded the first album which i think was bites i might be wrong about that um, and then Wax Trax's fans were so in, into the idea of Skinny Puppy and Bill Lieb working together 
that Wax Tracks paid for studio time for Bill and Dwayne and Kevin to get together, and they put together this cyberactive record. And it sounds like Skinny Puppy plus a touch of, of like Frontline Assembly. And I just love that Wax Tracks listened to, to what fans wanted and was like, hey, we're just going to pay for you to get together in the studio and record some jams. Imagine a label having that and kind of power now. So this is one of those jams. Imagine a label having money. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> to pay or, for or a studio. Money. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I like the track. I like the tempo, for one. That is a CZ tempo, if I've ever heard it one. Is. It's, a, I, I, it's It's, it's an SOS, SOS tempo, too. I pitched that down just a hair, and I could work that into... Some you know some 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 sleazy uh, Baldelli jams. Well, you think you're Baldelli over here? <laughs> I I I know I am. Um, <laughs> the the track I think highlights something we touched on a little bit last week with Doug. The line from from EBM to trance. There's that really melodic element. The the synth timbres, the like the structure, the, the evoke tropes that would later kind of be incorporated into trance a bit. It's weird, but for me, I didn't like this track. It's just like I I couldn't relate. Like I found. It's too, uh, not disturbing, but it doesn't lead me anywhere, you know? It's just like, like if I have this track, I would never play it in a mix because like if I do a mix, I need to go straight to the point and I need to just select tracks that really move me. Or maybe it's like a phase, like sometimes, you know, it's like, like for example, like you're not really into that kind of music and you find it annoying, but maybe like three years later. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. 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 EBM is definitely... a little oversaturated. Like, it definitely certain kind of music that I grew up on. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing stays. <laughs> the You're same. a natural, so you're great at this. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing changes. <laughs> <laughs> Only gets worse. <laughs> what, are, what are we talking about next? So, well, you wanted to talk, pick up the flow. Yeah, sure. Currently... With my friend uh, Stefan, we're trying to find an alternative to Facebook because now the group is only like a private Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And people are like, no, don't waste your time trying to do a new platform. It's just like so much work and people won't really... Have like, you considered Elo? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think the energy shouldn't be wasted in like trying to find a platform, but just like doing like workshops and being more... You know, like doing things in real life that would benefit people rather than just having an I- ideal. Mm-hmm. I meant the track, Pick Up the Flow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, yeah. The, the inspiration for. <laughs> the inspiration for. Oh, yeah. Thank you. 
of my not all of my life but most of my life when i was in morocco i discovered music through the internet so for me pick up the flow was special because i remember it was like i went to this record store and i found the the record and i didn't really know model 500 and then i listened to it and it just like it was i was like wow and i think it was because of like the melody in the beginning like the dun, dun, yeah and then like the the vocal and it made me yeah I, I, it, it it really spoke to me and then i had to buy the the record and i was obsessed with that song so i think it was like the song that really introduced me to like detroit kind of early detroit uh, sound and um yeah i still love it yeah it's a bit of a I don't know. It seems like it's kind of a bit of an outlier in Juan's discography, isn't it? I mean, a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't want to make any sort of big declarative statement, but it's, it's not like a radical outlier or anything. Yeah, it um, isn't. But it's got. I mean, you know, Juan uses his voice a lot, and um, so yeah, it's not that. I don't know. What, what, what's What's striking me about it right now is how um, how both it's how it sounds both very. Uh, informative for uk hardcore like like it it really exemplifies the um the melodic and kind of textural elements of detroit techno that uk hardcore uh embraced very very yeah, enthusiastically so it has a, it has actually a very kind of proto jungle vibe um and then through that it like and and also through the the you know the kind of heavy subby 808 kicks i assume that was 808 um uh that also feels evocative of current UK-based stuff. So to me, the, mm. the track actually reads very UK through and through, mm. despite mm. being also very Detroit. And I feel it's because of the vocal. Like, if he didn't use, if he didn't say pick up the flow, it would have been, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But because it's like, oh, pick up the flow, and then you remember it, and then you're in, like, a bus, and yeah, like, you sing it in your head, and then, yeah. like, oh, pick up the flow, and then you go on YouTube, oh, pick up the flow, or, like, you buy the record, oh, pick up the flow, and then it's in your head. Yeah. So- <laughs> It's propaganda. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting the way like even just kind of like sparing use of the human voice can really give a song uh, a whole other layer of meaning, a whole other way to yeah. relate to. Okay, so let's go to Moroccan trap. I mean, I feel silly introducing, but it's what I brought because Selwa really turned me on to it. Um, both Selwa, you and you and uh, Zuli had mm-hmm. a um, had a Twitter thread about um, Moroccan trap. Um, I don't know. Do you want to tell me a little bit about it? I just yeah. love it. I've just been like kind of listening yeah. to it obsessively for the past couple of weeks. Well, same. Like it's it's crazy because like I I I wasn't really connected to what was happening in Morocco, and then I found this rapper Isam, and then I was like, wow, this is so so good, and I was obsessed. And then I I did the tweet, and I know I I know I wish I I asked Zuli before because i knew he's connected like he knows so many good uh things happening you know like uh, in egypt as well and and his music is also very yeah trappy yeah well that's like i think where he's coming from like Mm -hmm. and he's really like community like he's really um important in the community there and he he, for sure yeah. yeah so yeah and then uh that thread happened so since I'm addicted to uh, Moroccan trap. Yeah.
Um, I don't know. This is like always a thing with a lot of pop music is I don't know how much interesting stuff I have to say about it. I just like it. Yeah. You know, I don't have like... I think I know why. I think it's because maybe like, you know, like the beats, it's kind of like fresh and like elusive. And uh-huh. it, it's not like annoying. And then his voice is really kind of like he... he, he, he he talks like he rules like letters like mm-hmm. it's like I, I don't know it's a kind of like pleasant but at the same time maybe it's the melody no the the like the the synth sequence like sort of quasi arpeggio is fantastic yeah i mean yeah. it hits on like the things that i really like about trap which is that like and and the Bass reason and yeah melody exactly i mean the same reason i like any music you know and i and it's kind of the funny thing is that like, i think that's like yeah no, no, I am. <laughs> no, but I think it's what, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I think it's what distinguishes like this current line of more pop music uh, of, of of trap of, of what I find interesting. Like I found the radio in the U.S. much more listenable over the past couple years mm. than in years prior um, because I don't know. Just what's on is is generally like it's it's good to listen to. It's the kind of music you want to like mm. be playing loud in a car or on your headphones or whatever but um it's also like good yeah. and it's just like enjoyable you know um I, I don't know yeah um after like years of like really i, I feel like, i mean i'm always pretty disconnected with pop music i really kind of only hear it in cabs and stuff but mm. you don't you don't get down with the duncan bangers like i do you i know you get down with the duncan bangers <laughs> Jonas Brothers, man, that song's a, it's a Dunkin' Bang. <laughs> How much do you go to Dunkin' Donuts? Well, I'm in Dunkin' Donuts three to five days a week. Doing what? My job? <laughs> that I, oh, you do your job in Dunkin' Donuts? Yeah, I get out of the oh. house and I hang out with cops at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> my, my people. <laughs> your people. Your people. <laughs> wow. Dunkin' Cops. No, the Dunkin' in my neighborhood's great. It's lit. <laughs> lit. With yeah. only cops. I'm too old to say that word, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Afraid so. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say about the track. I think it's, it's pretty sick. Uh, so, can you, can you give us any context about what's going on lyrically in the track? Uh, I think he's like he's talking because in the beginning he's talking about like America. It's like a dream or something, and he's like in the bled. The bled. It's like. A word that they use to say, Bildi, it's like a word to say, like uh, local or like, you know, like yeah. the, the bled, the bled, whatever. And yeah, he's just talking about like all of his songs are kind of like personal. Like he always talks about like his dreams like, and he wants to like go, like go out, outside of Morocco or something. Okay. Yeah. But it's it's really interesting because I think also the aspect, like the fact that he collaborated with really 
interesting filmmakers like to make a nice mm -hmm. video clip and he has this kind of aesthetic going on in also his other songs kind of like contribute to the package of like his uh, identity and and he, he has another song called Mekinch Zhar that video is amazing yeah yeah and it's uh, actually it means in arabic it means there is no luck and he and there he talks more about like how you know in morocco you're trapped there is no luck like and it's so true because you know it's like i feel so lucky that like i had the opportunity to come here but just to come to america like you need first you need like to show some funds then you need to show that you're not a terrorist then you need to show that like you have a school they didn't need to show. Yeah. There is so many things. And then uh, and people in Morocco just stay in Morocco. Like even Europe is so hard to go there because right. you need a visa as well. So, Well, this is something that I also was thinking about earlier today. Um, and it's definitely not an original thought at all. But mm -hmm. I know uh, you've mentioned before um, visa issues. And as I travel, I encounter lots of people who are like, yeah, no, I can't get a visa. And... Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of just insane to me because basically the only way you can make any money in uh, the music scene right now is mm. through touring, exactly. um, and touring internationally, and that touring, basically touring Europe, and yeah. that basically means having an American or a European passport. Yeah. It totally shuts down any avenues to musicians outside of that sort of fortress mm. Europa. Um, exactly. It's it shuts them out completely from being able to, uh, you know, participate in that scene on 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 that mm. level. Yeah. Um, should we wrap up with the gong track? Yeah. Let's 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 go gong. <laughs> Yeah, that's a just a personal favorite Gong song, and uh, is this the live, live version? Like, yeah, the, personally favorite. Oh, no, the the, the the original version is is a personal favorite, but the live version is uh, is just additionally abstracted, and uh, it, it bears relatively little resemblance to the original version. Okay, um, which the original version opens with like it's it's a kind of slow build spacey and then it like the last minute and a half it kicks into this kind of like a kind of a like a f weird folky rocky pop song kind of thing like it has normal lyrics that are discernible they're very silly lyrics because this is gong in yeah, 71 yeah, I mean, but i was gonna say it's a very gong thing to like break into a sort of folksy yeah exactly you know, you know i gotta smoke grass to help me see you wow wow you know uh, <laughs> uh I, I, uh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, the 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 live version is just is just it's just like pure psychedelic meltdown. It's you know it, it just a, a bunch of people on all the drugs on stage doing their thing. I, I, 
I always like that. Yeah. And this is at Nanterre, which yes. uh, it's a very Francophile episode, I guess. But Nanterre, birth of the uh, Paris 68 movement, um, university in the suburbs of Paris. I do like... Um, uh, there's a Heinrich Russell cover of this song that I'm very, very fond of as well, which is an additional layer of, uh, of, of kind of abstraction. Heinrich Russell's the, uh, the, the Roman um, kind of minimal electro producer. The, uh, the, the Heinrich Russell version takes just a snippet of the melody uh, and is played all on an Elka synthex, the legendary Italian synth. I like, the, I like the three versions of the track, the original gong version on uh, Camembert Electric, uh, the live version, and then this Heinrich Dressel version as a kind of uh, um, uh, triumvirate. The three all uh, reflect different versions of the same idea in a very interesting way. I mean, I think psych rock and good psychedelic techno have a whole lot in common. Probably more in common than fans of either genre would admit, but... I definitely get the same feeling from like really good psychedelic rock as I do from really good spacey deep techno. They called it acid tracks for a reason, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, w w one of the thing that this live version specifically reminds me of is Rinder and Lewis's um, anger. Rinder and Lewis, uh, U.S. disco producers, uh, did mm. nine hundred million amazing um, disco tracks. Uh, best, well, probably not best known, but one of, one of their, their, their best known pro uh, production under their own name is the album Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, an amazing record. Every track is named after a sin. Anger is uh, uh, maybe the best track. There, there's, it, the whole record's great. Anger is one of the better tracks on it. Um, <coughs> and it's just this very heavy, uh, super minimal kind of tribal disco track with uh, some very guttural rah, 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 over it. Um, and just listening uh, to the gong track now, uh, I mean, the, the, you, you could mix the two together very convincingly. Um, oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I just Sorry, randomly, got, randomly got a, a, a notification on my phone from... Superstar uh, social media platform, Ello. Sponsor of the show. Uh, Ello I, just I, hit up Sean. I, I made Whoa. an Ello joke earlier. <laughs> it heard you. It knows. I have not logged into Ello in five years like everyone else. Whoa. Well, for everyone complaining about where like the Basecamp beta Facebook group is, the Reddit thread, it's on Ello. So... <laughs> Got to dig deep. <laughs> you got to you got to get on Ello, or else you're not getting <laughs> access to any of that shit. <laughs> that's where the real primo content is. Yeah, that's for the real. That's for like the Omega tier subscribers <laughs> to Basecamp Beta. That's <laughs> thanks uh, everyone for listening. We've been uh, recording from Control uh, here in Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, what what do we usually say on this? Yeah, just this this was Basecamp Beta. This was base. Okay, thanks for listening. Uh, thank you, Selwa. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Katie, with uh, her late appearance and uh, and bringing of wine. Thank you to uh, what's the name of the guy who runs Bape? Bape. Bape. Oh, Bape. Uh, Nigo. 
Nigo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Nigo. Thanks, Nigo, for inspiring my my incredibly stylish uh, jewel. I don't know how I would live without you. Ha, 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 